Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar. Today, I'm joined by Vikram Dutt. Vikram is the Vice President of Industry and Portfolio Marketing at Autodesk. Industry and portfolio marketing lies at the intersection of Autodesk's business and product strategies and plays a pivotal role in go-to-market planning and execution. Under Vikram's leadership, that team has built and implemented an audience-centric marketing strategy that helps customers discover, choose, and adopt Autodesk as their design and make platform. He's been at Autodesk for 17 years and has led several transformative strategic efforts. Prior to Autodesk, Vikram worked at Siemens, leading product management and launching strategic initiatives focused on mechatronics, and I had to look up what that is. He started his career developing virtual reality solutions. Vikram holds an MBA from the Haas School of Business at University of California, Berkeley, and an MS in Electrical Engineering from Ohio State University. Vikram is an advocate for animal and LGBTQ rights and diversity in the technology community. When he's not working, he can likely be found visiting Santa Barbara, California with his wife, two children, and golden retriever, Oski. In this episode, we chat about something I mentioned there in Vikram's bio. Autodesk's shift from being product-centric to audience-centric, aka customer-centric. There's a lot of iconic companies that are product-centric. They focus on building the best products on the market, and that's how they attract customers. Seems like a logical approach, but modern customers are demanding something different. Vikram shares why Autodesk has made this transition, the framework they've used to codify this new marketing approach, and why he believes being more customer-centric has empowered their employees. Vikram, welcome to the All About the Customer podcast. So amazing to have you here today. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Really excited to be here. So today we're talking about Autodesk and your journey from being more product-driven to being more customer-driven. And I'd I'd love to just set the stage with with that and and have you talk a little bit about this shift in how the company's, you know, thinking about their their go-to-market strategy, but also maybe, you know, why why now is the time to make this shift? Yeah, yeah. So maybe, Dan, if you don't mind, I'll start by just talking a little bit more about Autodesk, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if, if folks aren't familiar. So essentially, Autodesk makes software, right, that helps people design and make anything, right? So whether it's an architect working on, you know, the latest skyscraper or somebody driving the latest electric car or, you know, watching a new video game or watching a movie, right, more than likely that was created using Autodesk design and make software. You know, we have about over 100 million people using our software, right, worldwide, uh, about 13,000 employees worldwide, uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of context of what Autodesk does. Uh, So as a company, obviously, we do a lot of things, but a lot of people don't know what we do, right? So they know our products. They know AutoCAD, Revit, Maya, uh, but that's only a little bit uh, of our portfolio. You know, my my favorite story is when I, I tell people at cocktail parties, like, where do I work? And this was like a few years ago. It's not not so much anymore. People would say Autodesk. Like, do you make? Are you a car dealership? And then I would have to tell them like, have you heard of AutoCAD? And then everybody knows AutoCAD, right? Which is great that they they know about our our one of our flagship products. But we really want our customers to know the depth and breadth of the problems we solve with our solutions, right? So so that was certainly a driver for us in this journey. You know, on top of this. Uh, you know, I've heard some of your previous podcasts, right? 
customers' needs and expectations are constantly evolving, even B2B buyers, right, driven by their B2C preferences. A majority of them have even shortlisted vendors, right, uh, even before talking to anybody in sales. So that was that was probably the the, the two drivers for us to to commence on this journey, and and you know for us within Autodesk it's really we call it audience centricity internally, but it really means prioritizing the customer's experience and making it the focus of our efforts, right? So it's really sort of thinking about you know hey let's let's think about things from their perspectives, you know what outcomes are they hoping to achieve, you know what are their what are their problems, what are the goals. And, and really, it's about sort of finding that balance, right, between the customer's viewpoint when making decisions and finding the balance between, you know, meeting their needs and our needs as a business. There's something that's implied by the idea of going from being product-centric or whatever-centric to customer-centric. The implication is that you weren't thinking about the customer before. You're only focused on you and the customer as an afterthought. But I don't think that's what happened here with Autodesk. I don't think you get to 100 million users without being customer-centric. We always have prided ourselves of being a customer company. And, and you know, so that, that ethos has been part of our, you know, since the company was founded. But I think we had never really taken the time as to reflecting on how do we show up with our customers, right? So this was really sort of adopting that mindset shift in like, how are we showing up? to our customers, right? It's not about how we made decisions or how we created products or experiences. We, we, you know, we're obviously very, very customer driven, but it was really about how are we showing up in front of our customers. I think that's kind of the mindset of being product driven is, you know, you feel like you create these incredible products, which obviously, you know, AutoCAD or Autodesk has with, with stuff like AutoCAD. And you talk about a hundred million people using your products, which is almost a, a, a mind boggling number to think of. And I, I think the the idea is we just create these great products and people will just you know flock to us, right? But as customer expectations have changed, I think you're right. We need it's it's not just enough to create great products. We also really need to think about how we're how they're experiencing them and how we're delivering that value. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And so obviously this is a difficult shift to make. This isn't just the type of thing that you wave a magic wand and all of a sudden you've gone from being a, a product driven to a more customer centric uh, company. And I, I think really where this shows up is, is in marketing, right? Like, like you said, like how do we show up for these customers? So as somebody who leads you know, part of the, the marketing organization, one thing you and I had talked about previously is that you've, you've really had to think about how you codify this uh, with, with your teams and really put processes behind this around persona definitions, life cycle, outcomes framework. So can we dive into that stuff and, and talk about how you've how you really tried to codify this within your teams? Yeah, yeah. Happy to, Dan. So so maybe I'll start by an, sort of maybe an addition to our previous uh, your previous question, right? So how it was showing up for our customers, right? How our marketing was showing up for our customers was we were marketing individual products, right, for the most part, without really acknowledging the connection between our products and, and really sort of taking that customer point of view to heart, right? So as an example, architecture. Autodesk started with serving architecture customers. So we have a long pedigree of meeting the needs of that audience. But an architecture customer literally was getting dozens and dozens of emails uh, from us, thought leadership messaging, brand campaigns, uh, you know, solution campaigns, segment campaigns, product campaigns, you name it, right? We were inundating our, our customers with that, right? And, and the end result was it had very little impact 
and it was creating a ton of frustration for our customers, right? So, so that was kind of really, really the, the space we were operating in, right? So we said, okay, you know, how can we really address this more holistically, right? So being an engineer at heart, right, thought about like, what, 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 are, what are some of the, can we put in, some, put in place some frameworks for our marketers to better engage with our customers? So the first one we did was sort of developing this consistent persona definition. Uh, we established a persona framework, which is really, you know, defining, uh, okay, what is important for our customers, right? Uh, who are these customers and what's important to them? You know, what are their needs? Um, what are their expectations? You know, really, like, what are the jobs to be done for them? And sort of the unique thing, um, Dan, for us was we had a little bit of a novel definition for personas at Autodesk, right? So it was describing a customer's needs and intent as they move through the customer lifecycle. It kind of inherent in that it acknowledges that customers have different roles when they're in the buying mindset versus implementing and using products. So, you know, long story short, right, we, we kind of solidified our personas into five personas, right? They range from an executive to a solution buyer to a tech admin, right, to, uh, to an end user and so forth. Inherent in that is there's a behavioral classification, right, that a customer can be in a diff can move around uh, different personas, right? So they could be a solution buyer in one context, but they could be an end user in another one, right? So, so we, we're kind of cognizant of that. Uh, the other thing we did was we did a ton of research to really get actionable insights uh, so that we're getting really data from real customers to inform how we engage with them, right? So that was kind of the persona framework. The other one, which is probably a little bit more straightforward, is you know, a consistent life cycle view, right? So essentially, we got to meet customers where they are in their journey, right? So having, uh, so we, we codified that into, you know, pre-purchase, it's discover, consider, buy, right? Post-purchase, it's onboard, use, and extend. And the reason it was important was, right, like if, if there's, a, there's an executive who's worried about the impact of digital transformation, right? We got to meet them where they are, right? And, and give them information they need there. But if somebody's already bought our software and they're looking to gain proficiency with Revit, like we got to tailor that content for them, right? So, so understanding that uh, lifecycle view of the customer was, was really important, right? So that was the second thing we did. Then the other one was uh, outcomes, right? So ultimately, you know, customers are uh, buying solutions to us, right, for their business initiatives. So um, it's important that we understand, you know, those initiatives uh, and the outcomes they're looking to drive, right? So the more sort of we can connect our solutions to that outcome, we can become a little bit more relevant to them. So we kind of built a framework that really ties, okay, what are the common business outcomes our customers are looking to achieve and the specific capabilities that are required, right? So, so then we can really tie in and our go-to-market teams know that they can have the right conversation at the right level, right? So if they're talking to an executive, they can talk the language of outcomes. If they're talking to somebody technical, right, they can talk the language of capabilities, right? So this outcomes framework has been a big transformation. And really, it's, it's more of a go-to-market transformation because it's not just in marketing. It's touching pretty much every part of our, our go-to-market organization. All right, so then there's, there's this other piece, which is we call it customer segmentation. But 
the essence of that is, you know, a customer, like a mom and pop architecture shop, right? Um, the experience they expect from a company is different than somebody sitting in a, you know, large architecture firm like Gensler, right? Like with 10,000 employees, right? So how do we tailor our experiences based on the size of the customer? So that's another, uh, another consideration. And then sort of the last piece of it was uh, this concept of audiences. It's essentially how do we take a, a sort of a target market segment that has common needs for outcomes and capabilities. So the best way I can describe it, Dan, is all these frameworks I mentioned, we activate them by identifying an audience. An audience could be an architecture audience or a product design and, and a manufacturing audience, right? So when we bring everything together, whether it's a campaign uh, or a thought leadership blog post, we're, we're thinking about these audiences in mind. There's a few things that I'm thinking of, and I, I think maybe they're all connected. I maybe just have to think of how this is connected. But when you talk about, you know, your that architect audience, for example, getting you know all these different campaign emails for, for different things, I think a lot of times at different organizations, and I don't know if this was the case at Autodesk, but it comes from just teams being siloed and not really working together. But I would imagine an exercise like this probably brings a lot of people together. What one thing that I'm thinking before you address that is remind me how many employees you said Autodesk has. So we have over thirteen thousand employees. Okay, so I can't imagine doing an exercise like this, developing all these frameworks with that many employees. Like, what did the, that? What did that part of it look like? Like, how do you figure out who to get in the room to develop frameworks like this? Like, how, how do you? What's the minimum number of people you can you can do this with? Like, what did that side of things look like? Oh gosh, um, I mean, it, it varies, right? Depending on on what the particular so so maybe maybe breaking down into how we develop the frameworks, you know, for things like outcomes that touches a large part of our go to market organization, right? So we have a uh, chief operating officer uh, construct right within the company where all the go to market functions report into that. So we had to pretty much. Uh, enlist key stakeholders in each of those organizations within the COO and you know bring them along this journey as we develop the outcomes framework. Uh, for something like personas, right, it is uh, a little bit more targeted, but it also touches our product teams, right? So we had to enlist folks from the product teams to be part of developing that, that persona framework. And the customer lifecycle journey was probably the most straightforward, right? Because it's 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 such an obvious construct and it's pretty consistent from company to company. Developing these frameworks, you're touching so many different parts of the organization. So the, the change management uh, had to be very, very intentional and deliberate. And we had to be really, really thoughtful, uh, ensuring as we develop these frameworks, we were bringing along people in this journey um, and having support at every level of the organization. And I, I think that an exercise like this Obviously, the the end result of having this single thing that's codified that everybody can can work from is is really valuable. But even in just creating this, I'm sure it was such a great exercise in bringing different teams together and getting more people on the same page. Yeah, it's I mean it's incredibly rewarding. It's not easy by any means, but it's actually really rewarding because you know what it does is it it really provides clarity, right? To the clarity to to all the different not just the marketing team but all the different go to market teams in in really becoming clear on putting the customer at the center of everything we do
let's look at tactically what how this gets referenced and, and drawn upon. So, so you develop all of these frameworks for, for these you know different categories that we've talked about. Then what happens, right? Like when, when somebody in the marketing team is then trying to put out new messaging on a, on a product line or a certain campaign, how are they then referencing this? What are the kind of checks and balances to make sure that we're talking about the personas in the correct way and everything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a journey we are on right now, right? So I guess the first thing was really focusing on change management, right? So developing enablement, training on these new frameworks, right? So, so there's really a set of coursework, if you will, right, for taking our, our entire team on that, right? So everybody's trained on that, understands what we're trying to accomplish, the second piece was, you know, really making sure these frameworks are easily accessible, you know, are our, on our internal SharePoint site so everybody has access to them easily. And then the third piece of it was identifying early pilots. So, so I call it sort of the coalition of the willing, right? So find people who are who are wanting to try this and then we we are able to demonstrate these frameworks work and then we have case studies on how this can be implemented, right? So that was kind of on the initial piece of it. Sort of as we went on this journey, right, a key thing was really my, my team is responsible for industry and portfolio marketing. So a key partner for us is our growth marketing team or our demand generation team, right? So really working very closely with them was important. So now in order to sort of really formalize that, we, we came up with this concept of audience pods, right? So, so it was really sort of a, a virtual structure, right? Where we brought together folks with different functional areas of expertise, all sort of focused on a specific audience, right? So we brought together a mix of audience marketers, technical campaign development, a content strategist, right? Somebody with SEO expertise, somebody with community insights, as well as demand generation. And they essentially together defined what the audience cares about. You know, the way we, we sort of formalized that with, was with this idea of an audience brief, right? Which was sort of a, a compilation of our insights, industry trends, business objectives, and sort of really that marketing strategy targeted at that specific audience. And what's the goal of the audience pods? So that then you have this group of people who are like the experts in this specific audience? Yeah, yeah. So, so they, are, they are responsible for ensuring, right, that specific audience has an amazing experience, right? So they are not getting those dozens and dozens of emails, but it's an orchestrated, well-thought-of experience you know, taking into account all the frameworks I mentioned earlier. So you mentioned a couple of things in passing without how this was rolled out that I'd love for you to dive into. So the one is the training, because I think that on the marketing side, we, we've all been part of, you know, this, whether it's a huge rebrand or it's just, you know, small marketing messaging changes. And then it's like, okay, how do we make sure everybody, our, our sellers are talking about this the right way, our product marketers are talking about this right, the right way. Like, what did that training look like? When you when you started to roll this out, like who was involved in it, and were, were they just like uh, a hour long lunch and learn? Like what did that actually look like? So so enablement uh, across our go to market teams uh, is actually a function we have. Uh, we are fortunate to have with an artist, right? So whether it's enabling our sales teams or marketers, right? There's a there's a group of folks we can work with who really create uh, using the content we create. We assent, they essentially come up with um, 
courseware, if you will, for uh, for training our uh, sales teams and and marketing or customer experience. Uh, so we work very closely with them in sort of starting with, you know, hey, the big why. Why are we making this change, right? So that could be somebody like me, right, sort of sharing, um, you know, our, our vision for audience centricity, why it's important. And then we create a series of, in some cases, uh, optional, in some cases, mandatory coursework, right, that, that sort of progresses you on this journey from, you know, like basic understanding to advanced understanding of all these frameworks. Uh, and then the last thing is the the way you get adoption of these frameworks is by showing how this this is working in practice, right? So uh, finding, you know, the amazing customer success stories in how these frameworks actually had a positive impact on the business and then showcasing them to the rest of the company uh, is how we've, you know, gotten further along in this journey. And, and, and that segues beautifully into the other part that I wanted you to talk about, which was these pilots. Uh, what, what did that look like? Like, how did you decide, like, what's an example of what that pilot would, would have been, first of all? As a company, we have multiple industries, uh, multiple sub-segments. You know, we, we serve architects and engineers, so by inherently things are pretty complex and complicated, right? So um, we came up with a list of audiences um, that were probably over two dozen audiences, right? And we said, all right, we, we can't we can't roll out all of these at once, right? So let's pick one, and we picked architecture to begin with. So you know, so starting with the architecture audience, what we did was we uh, assembled a team of of all the experts, right? As I mentioned earlier, from an audience marketer to a technical marketer to a product marketer, right? In this case, we had content and SEO folks as part of that same pod. And the team's charter was really to develop the blueprint for how we should make the shift towards audience centricity, right? So this team worked in a pretty agile fashion um, and probably over the course of three to four months came up with a playbook on how audience centricity can be implemented um, and and sort of taking those learnings, we then expanded to the rest uh, of our audience group. And one thing we learned in that process was all audiences are not created equal. You know, by that by that I mean, you know, there's certainly you know large audiences like architecture where we do need to you know have all the bells and whistles, right? and bring all our marketing to bear. But then there might be a new nascent audience that we're still developing, and they might have a preference of certain channels that they may not need all the bells and whistles, right? So so prioritizing our audiences was another key aspect in how we, in what we learned, and then then we put that to scale. I love that, yeah, because I mean, I would imagine when, you, when you've got this many different audiences, this many different personas, you can't just like let people run wild with this, right? Like you need to have some sort of controls in place to ensure that you're thinking about this correctly, ensure that people have everything that they need from an enablement standpoint. Uh, so yeah, I think it definitely makes sense to, to try this with a small but impactful uh, pilot like this. Yeah, yeah, that was the key, really, you know, small but impactful was definitely the key. So you mentioned your, you know, somewhat early days in this, in the grand scheme of things. How do you envision this framework evolving as time goes on? 
Yeah, look, I mean, it's a journey, right? And we are definitely far from done. And we need to sort of continue focusing on our customers, right? That that Because that's that's really what it's all about. And the first thing we need to do is continue to improve our understanding of our audiences, right? Re- really getting more and more detailed and knowledge about, knowledgeable about, you know, their pain points, right? What's happening in the their work environment, right? As an example, a lot of our customers right now are thinking about AI, right? Uh, people see it as a threat. People see it as an opportunity, right? So really, really helping them with that transition, right, is something we can invest with and really help our customers in that journey. You know, as, as I sort of alluded to earlier, right, you know, one, one big learning for us was, you know, don't make too big of a change too quickly, we, we started to implement this process of audience prioritization, right, based on sort of the, the change required and the bandwidth we needed. So continuing to honing in on that. Um, and then the other piece was in this journey is when, when you get down to execution, right, you need that granularity to execute, right? So we might come up with a very clever audience uh, definition, but if you can't execute it or the size of that audience is too small, you know, clearly, you know, we need, we need to adapt. So that's really some of the things we have uh, underway or plan to, you know, as the framework evolves, um, you know, as, as we spoke about continuing to, you know, help our marketers upskill, uh, learn about audience centricity. Um, so we continue to invest in that. Something Vikram said sort of in passing that stuck out to me was, don't make too big of a change too quickly. Your company isn't going to become customer-centric overnight. You're definitely not going to figure all of this marketing messaging out that comes along with that overnight either, especially if you have 100 million users and 13,000 employees. And a company like Autodesk obviously has a lot of resources at their disposal to make a big shift like this, resources that many of us don't have. But there's still a lot of things you can take away from Vikram's strategies. Your team will be better served if everyone more deeply understands the customer, their pain points, their personas, their life cycle. Coming together with a common framework that is a single source of truth about your customer is not an easy task. But it's like many other things in life. You can make it as complicated or as simple as you want. If the end result is simply a few page document that helps everyone in your company get a better understanding of your customers, it's going to be wildly beneficial for everyone. And it probably doesn't take a huge team and big budgets to pull that off. You don't have to make too big of a change too quickly. You can start with smaller steps to being more customer centric and putting together frameworks, even simple ones to better understand those customers is a great place to start. If nothing else, pulling off a project like this, working with stakeholders from across the company to have everyone better understand the customer will bring everyone together over a common goal and will help teams start working more cross-functionally. It has been really empowering, right? For for them as marketers to be able to uh, really make an impact directly with our customers and and having that intimacy, right? Like knowing what are their what are the problems our customers are are struggling with and how can we as auditors help them? Uh, that has been really empowering for the team. Yeah, I, I think empathy is something that's missing in a lot of marketers, right? And I think that's, we talk about the shift from being product driven to being more customer centric, you know, a lot of times with that product driven approach, we're just like, how do we create the coolest, flashiest product? But 
understanding truly what these different personas are going through and the challenges that they're facing as individuals, uh, I think is just going to make for more impactful messaging and, and, and impactful ways that we go to market with these products. Like until we truly understand that, it's, it's hard to, to genuinely be customer centric. Yeah, 100% Dan, 100% I agree with you. And you know, I think sort of the other unique thing in our context was, you know, Autodesk, right, as, as I alluded to earlier, right, we, we help our customers design and make anything, right? And a lot of our employees within, uh, within Autodesk are really mission driven, right? Because it's not like we are, you know, some consumer products company and we're saying we're going to solve the earth's sustainability challenges, right? We create tools and software that really help our customers solve those problems, right? So, so that mission connection is really important. And, you know, what I've noticed with this shift towards audience centricity is our marketers actually feel that connection, right? And, uh, and feel that connection to our customers and that connection to our mission. So what's, what's the impact of this shift going to be of, of going from being more product centric to being more customer driven? Like you're, you're putting all these frameworks in place to make sure these marketers are more connected. What is success with this going to look like a year down the road, five years down the road, whatever time horizon you want to look at? Yeah. I mean, there's a number of ways, right? We can, we can measure success of this, but I think at the, at the highest level, right, the perception of any company right on this journey is to is is the potential to to change from becoming a vendor to a strategic partner to our customers right so you know where we are really really connected in helping them achieve their business outcomes right so to me that's that's the that's the north star right why why we are making this change and then of course you know as as a marketing organization right it makes us be better more impactful right the campaigns we do have higher uh, higher uh, Romy, um, you know, uh, the content we create is higher engagement. So it has a number of benefits uh, all around. You, you've said that you think so much about customer value and, you know, continually showing up for the customer and making sure that you're having that value. But there's also value can de- mean different things, right? There's a personal value to that individual person. There's the business value. Like, how do you think about value when it comes to your customer base? Yeah, it's it's a really... Um, really important question, right? And and one of the things I've learned in this journey, right, is that as we as as a B two B company, we normally just think about value in the context of business value we are uh, delivering to our customers, which is of course important, right? Help them meet their sustainability challenges, right? Help them uh, achieve digital transformation or whatever business outcome they're looking to achieve. But there's a more important piece or an equally important piece, I should say, which is around personal value they get, right? A lot of our customers who are making this transition are putting their careers at stake, right? Or they're putting their reputation at stake. Like, look, I am going to put my career on the line and undertake this journey, right? So there's a personal direct impact, right, to them as they as they embark on this 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 journey with with using our our solution so it's really about making sure as a marketing team we recognize that there is both business and personal value at stake here so so my wrap-up question i asked to everybody for the folks listening at home if you could give them one piece of advice to get them one step in the right direction to being more customer centric what's that one thing that they can focus on Okay, I'll be hard pressed to give one, but but there's a, there's a few. Okay, so you know, first of all, 
you know, start by putting the customer at the center, right? Really adopt their perspective, understand, right, their process behind their decision making. Take the time to understand their problems and goals. It's not about what you want to sell to your customers, but rather what do they need to get from you, right? So I would say that's really, really important. Look, at the end of the day, being customer-centric was a mindset shift for a large company like Autodesk, right? But at its core, it's really uh, simply about making decisions through the lens of the customer, right? So understanding your customer's needs so you can balance them with the needs of your business and you'll be on the right track. And so sort of a thing you can start to do tomorrow, like make time, right? One of the things we did earlier on this journey was we said in every every marketer's development plans, you got to meet a customer, right? And you got to meet X number of customers a year. And, you know, initially it was a little bit challenging, right? Uh, to, to get that flywheel going. But now, you know, it's we don't even have it as a KPI, and, but our teams are meeting with customers on a day-to-day basis. I love that. I love this lens idea because I feel like it's such a small little shift that you can turn on whenever you're you're trying to think of these things is like thinking of it from that perspective. And yeah, this idea of just like, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you have to kind of force people to, to meet with these customers. But once they start doing it and once they see the connections that they're making, once they see how it's impacting their job and hopefully making other things easier, I'm, I'm sure you're right. It gets to the point where you're like, we don't even need to enforce this anymore. This is just, they're going to see the value in this. They're going to keep doing this. Yeah. And there's just a hesitancy in doing that, right? Because it's something people haven't done. So you give a little bit of a nudge and then it just gets going. Yeah. Vikram, this has been amazing. It's It's been so cool to see the the journey that Autodesk has been on, the, the shift in focus. I, I can only imagine how many people were involved in this, how many sleepless nights that you had, but I'm, I'm so appreciative that you're able to let us peek behind the curtain and uh, learn. You did all the hard work here and we were able to just uh, see all the good things behind it. So thanks so much for being on the show, Vikram. No, thank you, Dan. It was a, it was a, a tremendous team effort and I'm proud of the work we did. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to share some of that with you and your listeners. Um, it was a pleasure. Even going through an exercise of just trying to nail the messaging is already bringing Autodesk employees, what are they called, Autodeskers? I don't know, but it's bringing them closer to their customer and making them feel more empowered. So many people are disconnected from their customers, and it can be hard to feel the impact of what they're doing. But any work where you're actually trying to understand the customer better, and you're ideally doing this by, you know, talking to your customers, is going to help you see the value of your own work. Vikram said this wasn't an easy initiative to pull off, and honestly, there was never a moment in talking to him when I thought that was the case. I can only imagine what it's like to pull this off at an organization of that size. An Autodesk shift from product to customer-centric obviously has a lot of moving pieces, with Vikram's team's work being just one of them. But it's an important piece. I'm left thinking about this idea of how we show up for our customers. We can have these amazing products, but what's the customer experience actually like? And what is that experience like, not just once they buy our products, but from the very first moment they hear about us? This has been the All About the Customer podcast, brought to you by Influtive. I've been your host, Dan Kalmar. Until next time, if you're liking this podcast, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else. It'll really make my day. You want to make my day, right?